right, ATP Podcast Episode 12. Today I have with me Mr. Rick, and I don't even know your last name. Ernst. Ernst, Rick Ernst. Rick is a um, current client of my pal Drake Eaton and on an, a pretty incredible weight loss journey right now, actually. So how much how much are you down? Uh, I think I'm about 67. 67 pounds as of since when? February 24th. February 24th. So only you know about a half a year and still. That's that's impressive, man. How's that feel? It feels great. So yeah? I'm super excited just about like how my clothes fit and just how I feel. I have a lot more energy. I'm an RN, so I work at two different uh, local affiliate hospitals, and I, uh, I'm able to crank out if I need to pick up an extra shift work you know five twelves in a week if I yeah. miss a lot but it can be done so. so on top of the looking good you're feeling a lot better too right uh, I feel, yeah I feel a hundred times better that's huge that's what I tell everyone too that's almost that's the most important to me with people like the other stuff will come but we want to get you well, feeling one the, great one of the coolest things is I was able to zip line with my kids I would have been over the weight limit oh yeah and I did it with them up in Gatlinburg we just got back on vacation so that's so awesome 150 feet off the ground it's pretty fun uh, have you done that before Never. or is that the first time zip first time. Yep. that's good I always love trying new things my 12 year old he's freaking fearless yeah he, just, he was like I, I want to be first I'm like okay <laughs> he's an animal all 103 pounds of him yeah, yeah. how tall is he uh, he's not very tall. He's under five. So I mean, he's, he's probably average. I mean, he's not good short big for frame. Yeah, I think right he's got on. a pretty decent frame. Yeah, because hey, you got you got a big frame too. Like yeah. like just naturally the way. I mean, I do too. Drake does too. That's just yeah. the way we kind of carry ourselves. Um, it's that German stock. Yeah, is that what is that what it is? Yeah. I guess so. Um, but vacation was good. It feeling, was awesome. Feeling yeah, was, recharged. Yeah, four days, and I was at the point where you get like a good momentum going with your diet and nutrition and your exercise. And you're mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to go on vacation. Drake was like, "Dude, yeah. you got to go on vacation." But did you allow yourself to enjoy yourself? And, oh yeah. Yeah, you yeah. got to have that. It's all balance. Uh, yeah. I had my first diet pop in six months. Yeah. So, but I'm back to not it, doing it, it again. It tastes like gold. It really wasn't that good. I was yeah. disappointed. It was like syrupy. Oh it's, yeah. I'm not used to drinking it. Yeah. So like diet used to taste like better than regular because regular tasted syrupy. Now it's like it all tastes like. It's weird how your body adjusts like yeah. that. Now you'll eat some some bullshit and you'll feel like crap and it won't taste as good as normal. Yeah, or yeah. I can't eat as much. Like I can eat like two pieces of pizza, maybe three, and that's like max. Like that's I feel fat. Yeah. I used to be able to eat like a whole pizza. Wow. Not that I'm proud of that. No, I saying. I mean I still probably could honestly. I mean I could. <laughs> I wouldn't feel good afterwards. Yeah, I get you. So you started training with Drake because that that was your goal. You wanted to lose weight was the thing. You so you were an athlete always growing up, right? That's yeah, what I thought. I wrestled told. and played football. Where in, at? Uh, uh, LaSalle High School. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, GCL. Right on. Yeah. And so uh, you know we were uh, we we were the first team to beat Moeller. I got to tell everybody that. It drives my wife nuts. But <laughs> first team, we were at one and twenty seven. So we beat them in nineteen eighty nine on Friday the thirteenth, October thirteenth. Oh wow. So. And uh, they were they were really big. They looked like a college team playing a grade school team. Like they were just ginormous, and a lot of stuff bounced the right way. It wasn't just like because we were better, but we I mean we worked hard and we beat them. But yeah, a lot of stuff went the right way. Yeah, that's all right. That's, yeah. I said luck is where preparation meets opportunity. I love that. My football coach used to say. Yeah, so you know I'll, I'll take the luck where it comes. Um, oh, yeah. So, what what made you want to start training with them officially though? Like what was so there my a niece, moment like? My niece Maria. So she, I saw some pictures on Instagram with her. She did a competitive. I don't know if you call. I don't know what you call it, swimsuit. It's, I don't, it's not really called that. It's I, like, I, I just generalize physique. them as physique, but it there's different physique. categories. But yeah. all, all of them involve your body, your physique. So well, she's a former bangout cheerleader. So she, I mean, she had a good base to work with. But he, Drake's really taking her to the next level. So I was like, man, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where you know, how can I afford it? And then it's like. Now I'm like, how can I not afford it? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, it's just, it's part of my life. It's like my, it's like my uh, psychological session. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, 
I come in, I, it just reminds me a lot of the days when I was training for football and I really just get to get my mind and don't have, don't have to think about bills, don't have to think about yeah. work, don't have to think about anything. I just spend an hour trying to kill myself pretty much. Right. Yeah. So and I, I mean, I think he'd probably say I'm one of his harder, harder training. Oh, clients. I'm sure. So, I see it. Yeah. I see you getting yeah. after it out I, there. I try to. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to waste. The thing is, everybody, Donald Trump, you and me, we all have the same hours in the day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much money you have that, uh, you know, so I don't want to waste his time. My, my right. point is, time is valuable. Time is the time is the most valuable currency. Right. Or I, I always say energy because I'll be like, time is a construct. Uh, but uh, yeah. but energy, yeah. Overall, that's the most valuable thing is that your your time and your energy and uh, yeah, making the most of it. Well, if you got a minute, I'll tell you a little bit about my educational journey. So yeah, I basically I, screwed sure. around in my twenties. I blew a football scholarship to a Division two school, and I was like, kind of lost. I drank a lot, just did a lot of stupid stuff. Yeah. Started to grow up in my late twenties, uh, so really started really trying hard in school in my twenties. Went through. Uh, EMT school and I was like well I don't really know if I want to be an EMT so I was like well what's the next level become a paramedic so mm-hmm. went to paramedic school started working in the ER I realized which is really strange there's like a I didn't even know because I in my mind I'm never old so I was like 30 <laughs> and I was like I guess that's old to be a paramedic so I was like well, well what do I do now I'm like I'm working in the ER it doesn't pay much as an ER like a tech yeah but I could do IVs and all that kind of stuff so I was like um, what's the next thing so I, one day I caught a mistake that a nurse made and I was like I could be a nurse yeah. and so I went to school I had to work really hard to get into school because I didn't have the grades so I had to like convince them basically it was mm-hmm. like Rudy or whatever you know I went to had to go <laughs> talk to the counselor and everything and like they were like well start taking classes here and I was like okay so I got never got below a B busted my hump work you know and I worked 50 hours a week during nursing school which you're not supposed to be able to do oh wow what were you doing what were you still doing the paramedic stuff while you were in the no, school no so I, well I did I worked two days a week in the ER okay. I didn't run squad with anybody but I, gotcha. I was technically a paramedic and wasn't really like paramedic per se like I wasn't running codes or anything there's like a hierarchy in the hospital so <clears throat> paramedics in the hospital are basically like glorified orderlies that you know they put IVs in like they, they know things they can tell mm-hmm. you what's, what's wrong with your patient but really it's the doctors nurses that are kind of in charge of patient care okay um, not that that's right because EMTs and paramedics are just as smart I'm not saying they're not yeah. I'm just saying but that's just kind of how it works in the hospital outside the hospital a paramedic's like a doctor right I mean they're ridiculous like they run the code they know all the drugs they know drip I mean, they, they used to calculate drips and do like you know um, different cardiac meds and stuff they yeah. don't do that as much I don't believe now but they so it's did. just more for formality of the process yeah in, it's in a sense yeah, yeah. but okay. I mean I, to me being a nurse on this end I I value, I would totally, completely value a paramedic because I was one. So I would, you mm-hmm. know, I would, but they, if they say something I didn't see, I can be like, well, you know, let's figure Absolutely. this out. So, yeah. But I'm like that anyway. I don't think anyone's better than anyone else. No. Like my eventual long term goal is to get my nurse practitioners. And I will. I just I want to pay for my kids' private school first. Absolutely. So I'll probably wait till they're done with high school. Yeah, that's a, could be a big cost there. Oh, yeah. Um, so then you're, you're in school trying to become a nurse from there what, what's happening oh yeah so I was working 50 hours a week in nursing school uh, I, I valeted cars on Friday nights and Saturday nights I worked two days a week in the um, ER and then I worked uh, I had my own massage office at the time I don't anymore but okay. I did that. yeah so I yeah. was I was busy all the time so you already were practicing that mm-hmm. was that before paramedic before yeah. okay, massage so- was first Okay, so yeah, massage so was the first sorry, thing. Yeah, was yeah. that right out of high school pretty no, much? No, no, it was in my 20s. So I was okay. like 27 when I started or something. So okay. I did a lot of stupid stuff from like 18 to 25. Like it really, yeah. like blowing my football scholarship like really blew my mind like way more than it should have. What? So how did you blow it if you don't it's mind? It's because of grades. Okay. I, so I was fine. It wasn't that I couldn't do the work. I yeah. just I put all my energy and all my eggs into lifting and running. and like, So I was the guy, if they wanted you to play football, they made you work out with me. You know, right. Like, and, and, and I was probably the strongest guy on the team. 
Uh, definitely the hardest worker. I mean, maybe or maybe not. I mean, you know, hindsight, you're always tougher 20 years later. But no. I mean, as I, long I, as you're your hardest worker, though, yeah. that's all that matters. If you're I, mean, working I, work, as hard I worked as you hard. Can. I will say that. Yeah. I work harder than most people. Yeah. Or, or as hard as anyone. I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that. That translate. My dad used to always say, you know, if you work at life like you work at football, you're going to be fine. Like, don't yeah. don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything you set your mind to. Right. And so that's what I was like when I wanted to be a nurse. You know, my grades weren't that great, and it was like, I, I knew I could do it. Yeah. And even if even if it didn't say it on paper or whatever. And so you know, I I never got below a B. Well, I think I got below one B once in nursing school, but mostly it was all B, B's to high B's. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't that great of a test taker, so it was just like anything else. A I'd lot of work. With, yeah, I would meet with my teachers. I, I always figured I had to have an A's worth of knowledge to get a B because the way I tested. Okay. So That's I a good tried, way to look at it. Yeah, so I tried to make sure I knew everything I could know. Yeah. And my wife used to make fun of me because I'd be like trying to study and I'd be falling asleep. She would be like, she was like, let's just go to bed. I'm like, I'm studying. She's like, you're not studying, you're sleeping. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So I got better at taking tests and everything. So yeah. Yeah. And it's it's all a game, I, in my opinion. Oh, it is. Yeah. I um, trust me. I'm Western education is very overvalued, and the way we teach things is not necessarily the way we learn things, in right. my opinion. Um, but. Well, the, I, know the, I know the certifications the and everything, but I, I have no doubt I could learn to become a nurse without everyone in nursing school. Right. I could do my you job. You could learn the ex- through experience and right. stuff, absolutely, as with anything. That's, and that's how you, we learn most things, right. naturally. The only difference is, so, and, and I will give some credit to the nursing education that way, is that they, they're trying to teach you to think a certain way. Okay. You know, to critically think. And yeah. You might not get that if you didn't go to school. Mm. So the, the education part puts the pieces together. Like, well, yeah. why, are, why are we giving this med? Like, why oh, absolutely. Well, I tell people all the time, like, like, so my degree up there is civil engineering, right? And I don't use it worth shit. But I don't consider the time I spent in college a waste at all because I, I learned how to learn things and how to problem solve and how to critically think, like you said. Like, right. And that was, the, the information wasn't as important as the skills I developed. And yeah. the same, I'm sure you say, experience the same thing. For sure. So I'm a float nurse. So I work at basically six different hospitals. I'm regional wow. for one organization. And then at the other organization, the hospital is just huge. So they just put me anywhere from ER to psych to cardiac to ICU. So I'm, the problem with that is I'm, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not excellent at anything because... Jack of all <laughs> trades, master right. of none. True story. <laughs> but it's true. So, I, like, you know, I used to, I, I joke and I say I used to be a real nurse. Like, I used to take care of ICU patients and have CRRT and all that. CRRT is a continuous renal replacement therapy. It's okay. Like, it's a slow 24-hour dialysis. So it's not like like getting a dialysis per se. It just slowly recirculates the... Uh, the like, basically does the work of your kidneys. Mm-hmm. When people get really, really sick in ICU and they get septic, their kidneys start failing. And so you're trying to get those, stimulate those to get back to working and generally you can but sometimes you can't but obviously but you know uh, I don't know so ICU has been pretty pretty cool I, I like it um, but I don't get to talk to my patients as much so I kind of mm. like the the CHF end of it the, the cardiac step down because you get to actually talk to them and stuff yeah. too you can't talk to someone if they're sedated right of course sedated patients don't ask for dumb things <laughs> like sometimes people they, they don't realize it but they're Taking my skill as a nurse and treat me like a waiter or something, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, it, oh yeah, I'll do anything for people. Ask me in a nice way. But yeah, like, absolutely. Some people they don't, they just don't appreciate us, and it's it's that part's frustrating. Yeah. And like you know, like like I'm talking to Drake with working out with him. It's like you know, you don't you don't like all your clients and patients the same. I mean, it just is what it is. Nobody, you know, right. sometimes you don't mesh or whatever. No, right? some some people don't. I understand. Don't respect the time that you're you're giving and everything, and and, yeah. and don't see it, the value that you see in it. And right. And it is what it is. People have different interests. I'm not going to hold them to that. As long as they're polite, like you said, I'm yeah. not going to not going to fret about it. Right. And yeah. that's another thing. Like, so 
obviously, what's one of the things you want people to quit doing? You want them to quit smoking. But am I going to spend an hour talking to somebody about they're going to smoke as soon as they leave? No, right. I'm not going to waste my time or their time. Right. So, you know, what I'll say is I'll say, uh, hey, you know, smoking's bad for you, right? And they're like, yeah, okay. And then I'll just write a little note. Educated patient on smoking. I'm not going to spend 45 minutes talking to them about something that, I mean, that they're not going to change them. Right, and they're going to they're, they're going to be mad at me and everything anyway. So, mm-hmm. and we do these things. You know, every hospital does it, but it's almost like a hotel thing. I feel like where they they pull them. I mean, I understand they want to make sure we're continuing to give good service and everything and take care of them. But yeah, I think they've gone a little too far with that, in my opinion. Like you know, it's like well, well it's all about perceptions of things and how right. do things look on the surface versus right. yeah, because that's where you get money. Right, it's, exactly. It's the, it's all the, the money. star rating and the oh, yeah. yeah reviews and stuff, not yeah. the actual quality of what's going on. So think about it. If I'm a non-compliant cardiac CHF patient and I want, you know, I want water, I want fluids, like ridiculous. It's, it's your body's natural way. So. If your body feels like it's not getting enough of something, it's going to keep sending that signal to the mm-hmm. brain. You're thirsty, so that's kind of how they operate. So, I get it, but we have a fluid restriction for somebody. I can't give them more than you know, say, 1,500 milliliters of fluid in a day. So we, you know, we track it all day. Yeah. And they're really mad at us. You think they're going to give us a good review? No. I don't give them fluid. No. No. Think, that's what I'm happy I mean. about it. Right. right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that guy sucked. He didn't give me fluid when I wanted fluid. Like he ignored me or whatever. It's like, no, I'm trying to educate you, but they don't, they don't see it that way. Right. So, and that's the thing I was telling you off this is that the so the way hospitals build things they do, and this is the, this is not the hospital, this is the government. So they with the mandate of everything, if if a person is readmitted in the hospital in 30 days, mm-hmm. and this is all hospitals, this is I'm not picking on any hospitals. This is the way the government does it. If they come back within 30 days, the hospital has to eat the cost. So if I tell mm-hmm. you, you know, hey, you know, Jake, watch your fluid intake, uh, you know, try and get some exercise, like you know. Mm-hmm. And you just go back to what you're doing. You drink 15 Mountain Dews a day, and you, you know, and you don't listen, and you, you know, you're eating like crap, and you feel like shit. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you feel fluid overloaded again. Oh, I have chest pain. You come to the hospital, we give you fluid, we give you diuretics like Lasix and that kind of stuff to get your fluid off. Um, it doesn't matter if you come if you come back within two weeks. I mean, you basically get a free hospital stay. I mean, wow. just how it works. And yeah. I know why they did it. I mean, I get the theory behind it. They want us to educate people. If we weren't educating them, we didn't teach them something. It's yeah. our fault. But, but that's they have to it act is. on it. Right. Yeah, I mean, just like with training, if you if, if you bring a client, and you, I mean, you, even even if your busiest client, say, what do you see three times a week, maybe the most? We'll if say that, we'll say yeah. five. Even if you yeah. saw them for five hours every week, there's that's a hell of a lot of hours out of however many. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If they're going home and not doing anything you said, they're not drinking their water, they're not watching mm-hmm. what they eat. Like it doesn't. You can be the best trainer in the world, and they can still get fat. Get they could even get fatter. Yes. Like during hundred percent. Yeah, it's, I have to tell people like, look, I'm not this magic cure for you. I'm not, you're gonna do the work. I'm just a guide helping you figure this out because like ultimately it does have to come from you. And fortunately I get the luxury of when people really aren't listening, they're complaining, I can say bye-bye. Right. You don't get that luxury, I understand, because right. you, yeah. you have to treat people and, right. and it's that's a tough job to deal with. One thing we can do, we can kind of do like a one and done. Like a patient yeah. who's ridiculous, we can just say like, I can't take this patient back. I've uh, done okay. that. I've done that one time in my career. Yeah. Because I'm always like, well, the devil you know is always better than, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, I don't know, I make it a game. I try and figure out, well, what can I do? Like what, I always try to get people, there's a couple questions I always ask people. Um, how long have you been married? You know, that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. that way, just get them talking about something else other than their sickness. Yeah. You think about it, you're, we're focusing completely on your disease. I was listening to your podcast with the um, energy person talking about dis-ease. Yeah. And if, if we're just completely focusing on I, I believe the mind, uh, it works that way. Like if you're like, oh, shit, I feel like shit, I feel like shit, I feel mm-hmm. like shit. That, then you're like, you're, you're reinforcing that, that yes. thought process. And what's your body do? Oh. It reacts like, to that. I want to feel, feel like, like shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, mean, I just uh, I read a just read a book and in it they were talking about like it's a health book and he's talking about nutrition he's talking about your body will literally process food differently like if you if you go and eat a pizza and you feel bad about eating that your body will process it in a negative way whereas if you ate that pizza and you're like i enjoyed the hell out of that and i feel good it actually won't be as detrimental to your health as and it's all because it's up here i definitely believe that yeah and it's the same thing like you said like if you feel bad about your disease and are just down on it right it's going to cause you more issues than if you're like okay well i acknowledge i have it Right. But here's what I can do about it. Right. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite, well, obviously, you know, you love your family. I'm the youngest of six. One of my brothers has multiple myeloma, and he's just like. What is, explain that to me. So multiple myeloma is a blood disorder. Blood, It's blood cancer, basically. Okay. And uh, he's had that since last November. He's been battling, but, like, he's got the best attitude out of all of it. One of yeah. my hardest nights of my life as a nurse, I was working on his cancer floor. Okay. And he went from two liters of oxygen to, um, there's a there's a mechanism called Vapotherm. Okay. It works. It's like super super high pressure oxygen. It's so much high pressure oxygen that you can actually like you can't even like the patient can't even hardly hear you talking because it's like 40 liters of oxygen. Oh wow. And so he went from like two liters to like 20 liters on Vapotherm like in the night. And I'm like trying to do my job and like he's my you know the nurses keep me updated and I'm like texting my my sister in law his wife about it and everything and I'm just like fuck like what the fuck am I going to do if they innovate? I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do my job. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I'm sure they would, they would want it. Um, so anyway, so he, uh, he was on my unit and everything. That was really hard. Mm-hmm. But, um, but he, he's doing a lot better. He, but it, like my point was his mindset. He's just like, oh, I mean, I'm not going to let this kill me. He's like, I got cancer, but right. I'm not going to let this kill me. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Me knowing what I know, I might be the other way and like make myself worse yeah. because of what I've seen being on that unit for yeah. six months. Yeah, like so the way my one organization does it, I'll be on a unit, even though I'm afloat, I'll be on the unit for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, and sometimes even up to like mm-hmm. six months. And so I like the way this hospital does it better because I don't feel like afloat. Like I know where stuff is. I don't mm. have to ask anybody. I know the hierarchy of how to get a hold of docs. Sometimes when you're floating to an individual unit, in an individual day, you're like, okay, well, obviously I know this guy's crashing, but I'm going to need the chargers to help me because I don't know how, you know, to get a hold of the docs I need to get a hold of, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but each, each, you know, each each facility has its own way of doing things. So, I just the best thing that I can that I get to do is to get to use my ADD as my strength. I always say that's yeah. my superpower. You know, I get to go do different stuff and. I can hyper-focus. That's the beauty of ADD that people act like it's a, always like a bad thing. Yeah. If there's something you like, like you ever seen a kid talk about dinosaurs yeah. that has ADD, like they'll be able to tell you all kinds all of different species right. because they're into it. Right. So, I, I mean, I just have to keep keep a way to keep myself into it. How do I keep myself into it? I don't do the same thing all the time. So okay. I don't get bored, like ever. As yeah, so you, you really enjoy what you're doing right oh, now. I love it. That's good. That's yeah. good to hear, man. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so how much, since you're in the medical field, I always like to ask this. You, you touched on a little bit about educating and talking. How much of that do you do you teach people about like nutrition and general health, not not medical or medication area? I'd say How very, much? very, very little. Okay. Mostly because of the time constraints. But for us, I'm a night shifter, so like mm-hmm. I just don't think people are ready to hear all that at night. Usually, yeah. like, I try and get them comfortable, get them ready for bed. But like, oh, I mean, obviously, if they ask me, I'd be more than willing to help. But yeah. A lot of people don't. I don't think. I think they don't want to. The hear Western it. medicine philosophy is "I'm broke, fix me." Right. And they come in, and it's never like any responsibility of the person. Right. Ever. We like to shift the responsibility away from us for everything. And I actually yeah. use like like I'm not I'm not downplaying like that ADD is not a thing. Right. But I, I I was talking with my buddy on another podcast about like I don't like that label because I don't want to give it that power. I right. just want to be. This is me, and right. this is the way I process right. things. Because I I say oh, I'm OCD or my right. OCD won't let me in. And I go, no, well, no, that's just the way I am. Who cares right. what, what it's called or whatever? Right. That's just, 
I'm, a, you know, my attention is focused on this one right. thing at a time, and I'm that's the way I am, and I take responsibility and like how can I like you do? Right. How do I make this effective in my life and right. not detrimental? Well, that's why. So I look back on making it through nursing school, at working 50 hours a week, and I was like, I have no idea how I did it, but I know back then I just thought of it like an alcoholic, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. So I, you know, I uh, I would meet with I would meet with my teacher whether I got a good grade or a bad grade because I knew the end game. I wanted to become a better test taker. Mm. Because I, you know, I thought of it as a game, but mm -hmm. yeah, but you have to learn how you learn. And I didn't really do that until nursing school. Okay. Like I'm completely confident that I will make it through my master's program because yeah. I've already started to understand how I learn. Are you in that right now? No, but they keep asking me. Oh, they, that's they, what you said after. No, I feel bad. I want to. You said after you pay for it's school. It's been bugging me because I, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to jump right in. And yeah. And I was like, well, I want to. I don't want to be one of those people who like I've seen. 25-year-old nurse practitioners, and I'm like, you know, that's great. They made it through everything, but they didn't experience the actual being a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you got to walk before you can run. Like yes. All that, like, you can't just keep jumping. And you're going to learn way more doing that right. probably than just the formal education right. alone. No, you yeah. learn way. I learned way more in my first year as a nurse than I did ever in school. Yeah. So the same way with with training for me, I learned way more just doing it than I could get from reading any of these certifications and right. stuff. Well, like that. you know, like so, I'm still awkward at lunges. I'm not as good as I used to be, but like you know, you you watch somebody do it and you see the biomechanics, and you're like, okay, well, what can I help them with the tweaking? Mm -hmm. And you can't learn that in a book. No. You have to like, oh, it looks. Because like everyone's different too. Oh yeah. That yours might look different than mine. They look different than Drake's, and there's different things to work on. I don't know if it's like a biomechanics thing. I was just watching uh, Drake for a second with one of his female. Uh, um, clients and they just move different so differently that like yeah. they seem to do lunges and stuff way better than men they have a different structure i mean yeah. the way their hips sit and compared to their knees and their waistline and and, and every female is different too and then sometimes too just the habits of things they do you know right. men tend to create more wear and tear because we do stupid things all the time oh, and, yeah. yeah which happens um men typically don't use their glutes in a lot of things where women that's all they work out so they have really strong good glutes and hips where we we tend to Generally, the bro stuff, right, right. they focus on the upper body, right? right? Yeah, so you see a lot of that in, in the training. And, and again, structurally can be a thing, too. But um, Well, I think I'm weird with Drake because I actually enjoy doing my legs more than I do with my upper body. Yeah. I love doing my legs. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I love it, too. Because it challenges your manhood more than upper body. Yeah, it's the hard stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, I still like some curls for the girls and glory muscles as well. That's all fun oh, yeah. stuff, I'm Trying to too. bring them out, too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so where, where, what's your goal from here on your fitness journey right now? You said you're trying to get down to, what, two, 220? Well, my long-term, well, okay, so my short-term goal, I'd really like to drop another 25. I haven't been under 220 since this century for sure. Mm -hmm. So it'll be fun to do that. Yeah. I, really, I want to get down to like 215, 218 in there, and then I really want to kind of start to build back up. Yeah. I'd really, like my long-term goal, I'd like to be able to be like 220 or two, like, Maybe 245, 250 with a 36-inch waist. Or yeah. I mean, I know that sounds... No, you could. your frame could do it, though. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and, and like you said, you're acknowledging that it's a grand goal and yeah. that's a long-term thing because yeah. it can happen. Yeah, it just takes a while. Yeah. yeah. But I actually like the grind. Oh, yeah. I, I think I like the grind more than I do the actual... And like, my favorite thing, I love, the, I love the grind of the weights, but my favorite thing is getting a shower and putting on clothes, and I'm like, man, my clothes fit so much better. Like, they're tighter where, they're, where you want them to be tighter, and mm -hmm. they're smaller when... So that that's exciting. I mean, you're enjoying just, the process of it, which is which is hugely yeah. important. Yeah, it's if you're just focused on the end game and not the journey, 
then you're not probably going to actually get to where you want to be or you're not going to be happy along the oh, way. Right. Yeah. Well, the coolest thing I've noticed is people who see me and they're like, I didn't even recognize you. Like, that's, that's like the best compliment ever. Oh, yeah, right? Like, oh, wow. You know, like, cool. Well, that's what I'm saying. I can even tell, and I've, I see you a lot, and, and it's only been, I've only known you for a couple months, but like, especially in your face, like, it's really like narrowed down and thinned out and like, you're looking yeah. good. I don't, I don't think men really care a whole lot of fat in their face. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a fat it depends. Some men probably do. I do. I, so that's the one thing I notice on people because my, my head will swell up when I get chunky. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, my, my face and head definitely were more swollen, like, you know, when I was 300 pounds. Yeah. But 300 pounds, it's, it's, not, it's just not a good number for, uh, for anyone to be 300 pounds. Nah, unless you're people. like six, Unless seven. you're a, a literal giant yeah. like some of these strong men, then yeah. you can push it. But, yeah, if you're, if you're pushing close to three, what's that, What's that guy's name? That was like, he's like 400 with abs. What's his, oh, Half Thor yeah. Bjornsson? And he yeah. Like, yeah, he was, is that the guy that was in... Um, Game of Thrones, yeah. the mountain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he's just, he's, you know, he's six whatever. He's a genetic anomaly. He's right. naturally built that big, and well, and he uses performance enhancing yeah. drugs, which helps. Right. Um, but if he didn't do any of that, he'd probably still be three hundred pounds. Oh yeah, he would. He would. Yeah. Any anyone who genetics play a, a larger role than a lot of people in the fitness field like to admit. Like you can't take anyone and be like, oh, you're going to be Mr. Olympia. No. Right. If you look at any of those guys when they were like 19 and had not even touched drugs yet, right. they still look way bigger than I am or any of that. Like, right. it, it just, that's how it is. But but you can move the needle on yourself still. You can improve yourself right. at just, I'm never gonna play in the NBA or something, no matter how much I want to. I, I don't have that, yeah. No, man, I've seen your jump shot. You <laughs> might be able to. But, um, and then, so career-wise right now, what's what's like kind of the short term? Because you uh, said you're, I want to keep doing for what I'm doing. I, I love what I'm doing right now. I mean, I yeah. love I love being a float nurse. I like I just like the challenge of going different places and trying to fit in. And mm -hmm. um, I'll be at a hospital I haven't been in in five years, starting Sunday night. So that's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, I want to see what the, if they notice a difference in me too. They probably will because I I think at the heaviest I was. I never weighed myself when I got super heavy. I don't think, but I, I would guess I was three twenty at some point. Oh maybe. wow. Yeah, and then so you know, and then when I met, like, I lost weight like three years ago. I, I you know I got down to like two thirty nine. Okay, and I felt really good, but I just had a different mindset about it. I think I was like, oh, I made it. You know what I mean? And then I started eating like crap. You got complacent. Like, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, that's just ridiculous. And I was and I hate running, and I was running, and I wasn't really doing weights. Yeah, and I like, I'm not a runner. Like I, genetically, I'm not a runner. Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna freaking. Like my, I mean, probably my best time I could possibly do would like kill myself would be like a nine minute mile. Yeah. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to run a four minute mile or anything stupid. You know, just like genetics, like you're saying. Right. Yeah. Like those people that run for their food, like and they run five miles one way and back, like they're just genetically made. Like even their, like their bone density is different. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's that group of people typically, you know, their generations evolved to do that, so right. their bodies had to get good at doing that. Where yeah, some people, you know, the, the like German kind of culture is more the stocky build because. We didn't do any of that stuff. We didn't have to do any of that, right. you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, so you're just trying to gain more experience right now and where you're at and everything? Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I love what I'm doing. I, I do, like, I can work ICU, ER, and, um, like, a step down all in the same week. Cardiac step down. It's, it's, it's they kind of focus on cardiac. Lately, it's been more COVID, but it's not, you know, it's not necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, much, you know, it's, it's not, it, like, we'll do people who had, like, um, like PCI, which is, like, um, trying to think of the layman's term it's like um cardiac uh, cath placement so like they're going through your femoral and come up like okay and they go in and they they like basically your heart has these vessels and they kind of like put a little stent in it helps with the collateral circulation so it'll, you know make sure that everywhere and your like your heart's a muscle it needs to get blood everywhere yeah so that's like the, the stent like something will get clogged your arteries will get clogged so it's kind of like a, um they go through and they'll put a stent in uh, i mean i'm not an expert in that but 
so I'll treat the patient afterwards. So like, okay. I'll make sure that they don't, because you can bleed out. Like I'll, they have like a little uh, site site where they where they go in with the needle. Usually mm -hmm. it's in your leg. Sometimes they do it in your wrist. And my job is to make sure they don't bleed out. Basically, you know, I come and check them every so often and do vitals every so often. And then next day, most people go home the next day. So okay, so it's it's basically pretty simple. Yeah. But just in case, some things can go wrong. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can bleed out in like seven minutes. Oh wow. Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. What uh, what what's your favorite part of your job? Then? Uh, so I guess I like just doing all the different things, but okay. I, I like yeah, the, the variety. interaction. Yeah, and I like the interaction with patients and stuff. So it's kind of funny. I'll, my wife makes fun of me. I have like these goofy jokes I say with people. Like I'm always wrong. Ask my wife or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, and I'll say that to every patient, and it's like to them, it's new. So right. Um, you get your timing down a little bit. Your comedic timing. Oh yeah. Right? No, I do the same thing. I, yeah. I repeat stuff to all my clients and yeah. like look for the different reactions and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, no, oh, it's hey, a fun. I didn't think that was funny. Maybe my delivery was off. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I like what I'm doing. I um, I enjoy being a nurse. I I, I wish I would have done it 20 years earlier. But, yeah. I mean, That's you all right. You You're here now. Well, you got your own journey. You know, my journey exactly. was to be a moron for, you know, fifth, like 20 to, <laughs> basically 20 to 30. Yeah. And I always tell, like, the female nurses that, like, some guys are different. I know I'm categorizing, but a lot of guys are like, I just not, you know, not you guys because you guys are hardworking at your age, but a lot of people don't, aren't, like, I, I was listening to you and uh, Drake, and he was talking about, like, nobody their age, they don't know anyone who was, like, on a career path already and everything. And I was like, wow. Or not on one that they want to be on. Right. I know plenty of people that were shuttled through one through someone else's intentions or just thought like it's what they had to do. Yeah. But that really knew what they wanted out of life. It, right. And, I, like, I've only come into this the last two or three years. Like, it, I'm 26 now. Three years ago, I was a fucking shithead in college. Like, I was, I'll admit, be the first to admit it. I was not, not with all my stuff together by any means. And not that I have it all together now either. But I can look back and see a drastic difference in the person I was three years ago, even. And I think that's true for me. Like, it's just hard when you're, like, I was 19. I was good at math. Someone said, do engineering. Okay. I, I don't know. You don't fucking know what else to do. Like, Sounds like my, one of my other brothers. I have four brothers. My okay. one of my brothers is a mechanical engineer, and he's like, he had, like, a perfect score in math on his SAT or something yeah. crazy. And so that's what he did. But he, it seemed to fit him. So he's, he, he's, he likes it, though. Yeah. That's good. See, that, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not knocking that. Like, there's plenty of people that are perfect for that job. Yeah. I just found. And I didn't even, like, hate it as much as I just knew I really started to want to do this. And I was right. like, I, this is what I'm loving. Right. Um, but um, well, I think it's cool because I remember seeing that one day and I was like, oh, civil engineer. Yeah. I yeah, like, I like putting it up there because I like getting the. It's funny, though, because most of the reactions are people like, well, why didn't you? Like, you know, because right. oftentimes. People, because, you know, we're very money-centric, so right. that we're very secure, you know, right. get the good job, right. be secure, have this financial security, rather than focusing on, well, what are you enjoying it? Right. Like, enjoy it. Because to me, I think if you really enjoy it, over time, eventually that stuff will come, yeah. you know, because people will see and be attracted to whatever you're producing, whatever your skill is, and they'll want to gravitate and they'll want to pay for your services because they see that you enjoy it right. and with therefore you're going to do a better job the same way you enjoy what you're doing. Right. You're going to take care of these people. You're not just going through motions yeah. just because. Right. Um, but I'll yeah, get that reaction of like, oh, well, you ever thought about going back to it? And like people will quickly doubt what you can do because they can't see themselves doing it. And I always tell everyone like never, you know, at the, don't, not that you don't take advice, right. but at the end of the day, the only person's advice that matters is your own just so long as you believe in it oh yeah well the weird thing is so i'll get this sometimes from more of older generation people like don't you want to be a doctor it's like just because i'm a guy like i can't be a nurse like right i mean that's ridiculous yeah and no i don't want to be a doctor no exactly and that's yeah. all the reason you need right i and don't I can, want to yeah like nurse practitioner you know that's 
kind of a combination. Mm -hmm. But I would, for my healthcare, like my primary care, I'd much rather have a nurse practitioner than a doctor because yeah. they were a nurse. So okay. like they would, they in a way, I feel like nurses understand nurses. You They're know? more dealing on the ground level too. Yeah. Where I feel like I don't know too much. I don't. I rarely go to the doctors. So, right, well, I don't play. But uh, <laughs> I don't usually have things going wrong, so I'm not have to worry about that. Well, in my opinion, nurses are the glue of the hospital. Yes, because <clears throat> we have to catch shit. We don't catch it, and nobody ca doctors. They how can you catch shit if you spend two minutes with somebody or five right. minutes with somebody? And it's not their fault. They have fifty, sixty, hundred. No, it's the patients. way the system works. But it's set up so we catch it. Right. They're like, well, you know. You know, why didn't you tell me that or whatever? So in the beginning when I was, you know, entry-level nurse, I was like, shit, why didn't I catch that? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like a it's like a Groundhog Day kind of thing. Each day, like, well, I won't fucking do that again. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and you'll be in a room, you'll see something, you'll be like, oh, they're breathing 40 times a minute. I need to get a freaking hold of a doctor. I'll probably have to innovate this yeah. person. Or just whatever, you know, like, you know, it's not normal to breathe 40 times a minute. Like, how long have they been breathing like that? You know what I mean? Like, Well, absolutely. Well, now it's like, the doc will come, okay, see how he's breathing? He's been doing that for the last, like, 45 minutes like you know it's not or their heart rates in the 150s like we can't if you're on it if you're exercising heart rates in the 150s that's what is what it is but like if you're you don't want your heart rate in the 150s when you're sleeping you're resting <laughs> like, yeah that's absolutely not, that's you know so there's medicines we can do for that there's uh it like the science of that's pretty fascinating so like there's beta blockers and what they do is really a lot of the medicines they just open up the vasculature a little bit more and make the mm -hmm. heart work less hard or work more hard depending on what they needed to do there's also drugs that vasoconstrict make everything smaller so yeah so that the blood pressure will come up you know to keep everything keep now, it alive with stuff like that how do you balance letting the body relearn how to do that so like let's say like you know you're, you're trying to thin their blood or whatever so that they can get more to the area they need how do you balance so that that their body doesn't become dependent on that to make right. that happen and that their body's able to self-adjust? Well, that's the issue. A lot of, okay. a lot of that stuff, they, people have to be on heparin forever or, not, or not, you know, like uh, Eliquis, CBS yeah. commercials, or even Coumadin. The, the reason people are going from Coumadin to Eliquis, they're both blood thinners, and they do that is because um, Eliquis, you don't have to have your labs drawn. For Coumadin, you have to have your labs drawn. They, they do like coags, they'll do like mm -hmm. PT and INR, which is like, basically it's how your body clots. And so yeah. you want it to clot to a certain level, you know, okay. so, and that's how, that's how they do cumin and um, eloquence. They, you know, they'll do, they don't have to have the blood work. So that makes it a little bit easier. And they keep trying to, to get more um, like designer type stuff, but it, it's cool. It's pretty funny how the body just does its own thing anyway. Yeah. Even with death, like death fascinates me. I see a lot of it. Not, you no, know, not that I like a grim reaper or anything, but right. I, I feel like in my opinion, and I mean, medically you have to, but a lot of times people shouldn't be full codes. Like I have this conversation with my family already and they get mad at me because they're like, well, no, you're always going to be a full code. We're going to do everything. I'm like, but I don't want you to. Like, yeah. so a lot of times they'll, they'll uh, stick a, a, a trach in your neck and a peg in your belly and you're basically a piece of furniture in the house. Like, you want to live like that? I don't right. want to live like that. Right. I, I don't want anyone to have, I don't want my family to, have to take care of me. Yeah. I mean, if it happened today, sure, because I still want to watch them grow up. But mm -hmm. if I'm like 75 or 70 and I'm like, I mean, everybody's you want to do yeah. And, yeah. I don't want a freaking tube in my neck to help me breathe. And right. Freaking... You want quality of life, not quantity necessarily. Right. Yeah. And even like, you know, when you explain to someone what happens in a code, it's like, imagine me, I'm, say I'm 242 pounds, whatever, right now. Mm -hmm. Imagine me pushing down on your chest for, you know, 20 minutes. I'm breaking ribs. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I always break ribs. I feel it right away because I have sensitive hands for massage. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm breaking ribs. And like, imagine being an 80 pound little old lady and, not, and you got me pushing on you. Like, I, I, people don't come back from it. I mean, I know it sounds negative, but they just don't. I right. Mean, you give them epinephrine, which is like a, it's a medicine for your heart to kind of like, it's almost like, it's almost like, like the adrenaline, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
So yeah, you'll you'll get some extra beats out of it and everything, but you're not bringing people back. Right. I mean, I would say, I can think of less than ten people that came back. I mean, they'll come back like and die later in the week or whatever, but like you're not bringing them back. Like yeah. per se, like they're not. It's not like on a movie. It's like, oh, you shocked me. Now I'm perfect. I feel great. Let's get out of here. Right. It's not like it that. doesn't work that way. There was one person that I did see like that, and this was probably. Before I was even a nurse, I was in the e ER, and this guy was a firefighter. We're shocking him. He's like, fuck! Like, he could feel it. He's, like, talking. <laughs> he just had a, he had a genetic defect that they were able to correct. Mm. And so he had to go to surgery and everything, but he ended up being, like, fine. And he re actually remembered coming into the ER and us shocking him and stuff. Like, I don't know. I always feel like it's almost like, like with your person, with the energy person, they're, like, not even really there anymore. Like, you can even see it in their eyes. They sort of leave their body. And yeah. So I always feel like that someday that'll that'll be me, and I'm just like I always wonder what that's like to be like on the other side because I lost both my parents, and so I think about them like my dad. I took care of my dad until he died. I think that's probably one of the reasons why I became a nurse too. Mm. And um, like I was the one who needed to shower and everything, but just felt more comfortable probably because I was a guy and everything. Yeah. But still, like I you know. Yeah, I did a good job, but initially I didn't. I didn't know. I used bleach wipes on him once. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, oh, I was like, ooh, probably shouldn't have done that. A little that. rough. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I just didn't even think about it. I was just trying to grab something to clean him up. And anyway, so but that didn't happen a whole lot. But anyway, like took care of him, <clears throat> took care of him, and learned a lot, you know, along the way with that. But yeah, like my whole view on death is different than most people's. Like it's not necessarily like I don't want to die. Don't get me wrong, I'm not suicidal or anything. But like yeah. I'm not afraid of it. No, I want I want to make sure that I raise kids that aren't, you know maniacs or whatever or, right you know, that kind of stuff. And I've, I've talked about weird stuff with them too like way too early because because stuff I've seen like I don't the heroin stuff I mean it's, oh, it's, yeah. I feel like it's getting a little better but I don't know if it's really getting better I just think the Narcan is helping as far as getting them to the hospital anyway. right these people didn't want help so you Narcan them and they just go about their business mm -hmm. instead of wasting our time in the hospital for a couple of days I know that sounds negative but no I understand to me it's almost like they're the walking dead like yeah. I mean, they really are. You look at them. I could, I could see somebody. I was driving the other day. Somebody crossed the street and they had sores all over them and stuff. And they, they just got like that blank look on their face. Like, like their whole life is about Jones and for that. Yeah, that's all they, that's all they think about. Absolutely. So. No, I think you're you're on a point there where like we, we really try too hard to control the things we can't, and death is one of the biggest ones of them. And rather than just accepting, sometimes that, that's that's the time. Right. We try everything we can, and I get it because it comes from it comes from a good place. Like right. we don't want any like we we want that person in our lives. We want right. them to be happy. But when you look at it, it's like, are, is this really going to give them a quality life or not? You know, right. it's or you know, is it time? Is that the natural way? Should we just let that go and let nature be nature? I'm I'm all for more on the natural side of things. And well, and I've had this conversation that. with my brother because I'm I guess I'm second in command or whatever power of attorney behind his wife. And yeah. If it comes to that, I mean, he he jokes like, "Fucker, don't let me die." And I'm like, "Listen, it's not about that. If like, if that's your time, and I don't, you don't want to freaking live on a vent. I mean, not that you're going. Well, they could trach him and put him on that, but you don't want right. to live that way. I don't want to live that way. Right. And so, I, I, to me, it's more loving. It's almost like we treat our pets better than we treat people. Right. What do we do? We when they're in misery, we, we you put them down. You yeah. put them out. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Exactly. I had a golden retriever like that. Just held his paw. All asked him. They put in uh, the drugs that we actually give humans for yeah. uh, to sedate him. Damn. And then he was, you know, he was peaceful. Just kind of, he looked at, he like put his paw on my brother because it was like he was, was kind of stolen from my brother for a while. He was yeah. a golden retriever. My kids were afraid of dogs, so he said, "Can we borrow him, like just for a little bit, get my kids not afraid of dogs?" Yeah. And we kept him for like three years. <laughs> so <laughs> three year borrow. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it's it's interesting and it's hard to, you know, you say that and you get people, well, you don't care about, like, and it's not it's because I care. Right. That's uh, that's why I look at it that I way. I won't let them do that to you. Exactly. That's love. Like it is love. Like, you know, you know, I, I mean, I see the other side of it. I mean, I, you got 
all these different machines keeping someone alive, and it's like, what's the end what's game? What's the point of that? Right. right? If, the, if there's a possibility, maybe I don't know. Yeah. And I just and I know, like I'm on that side. I mean, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. I'm not going to like. Right. I'm not going to euthanize somebody as a nurse, but I just I look at them like, I mean, why are you really doing? It, yeah. Like, are we really question. doing what we should do? Like with this and. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think a lot of things are done again because of the perception of how it looks on the surface. Like, it, yeah, it looks good because you're trying to save a life. Like, right. that looks great. Right. But at what cost and is it really, you know, I don't want to really. say is it worth saving because not that lives don't matter, but for them, is that going to give them what they really need out of it? Yeah. Yeah, if you're a 90-year-old person with dementia and you don't even know where you are, what, I mean, why would you be a full killer? And they don't even, like, they can't change it. They don't know any better. It's not them. Right. I don't know. And I don't know if there could be like a law for that, but then it's like it's a slippery slope. It's, Are we playing God with the laws? Yeah, it's it's. Or it's, it looks like maybe it's like a numbers thing, and we're like, hey, you know, we can't pay for this person in a nursing home anymore. So let's, you know what I mean? So I get that too. So I, I don't know what the answer is with that. There's and there's really no one correct. It's kind of just case by case and trying to just. It, it's it's hard to morally justify either thing. Right. But you have to try and weigh things objectively and subjectively, which is tough to do. But I want to, real quick, so you were, we, I want to go back a little bit. So you're saying once people get on those medications, they're pretty much dependent on for life. So there's no there's no route to try and get people off of those at all? Uh, so in Western medicine, I think not, but I, I, I think people should do their own research. Let me, give it to me, give it to me first from you as the nurse and then you as your person. Okay, so as the nurse, I would say, you know, this is just, it's, it's kind of the new normal, unfortunately. Like, okay. You have high blood pressure, so you have to take this medicine. Yes. Or you have... Diabetes, you have to take this, you know, if it's not insulin or it's like they have different pills they take, like mm -hmm. metformin and that kind of thing. But from, and that's, that's just the way the medical system is. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately for me, I feel like they just keep adding stuff. Like, yes. oh, well, you have this, so let's add this. Oh, you have, you know, cholesterol, let's add Lipitor, yeah. you have this. So, where I, and I know it's, it's probably a time limited thing. They don't have the time to just be like, what else can we do? What else? You know what I mean? Like, besides yeah. that, they just want to like take a problem and fix it, which isn't necessarily the right way. I mean, right. But like it's I, 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 financially easier. Well, yeah, it follows everything. It follow, I mean, follow the money yeah. with everything. But yeah. the, um, and that's the thing. It's not even a political party or anything. Both both sides do that. It's just so the it's industry. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the flip side of that is, you know, like, what would walking for ten minutes three times a day do for me? I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Stan Efferding, so I watch a lot of his videos and stuff. Yeah. And um, one of his things was like that. I was telling my brother. Um, I have a brother with diabetes, and mostly his diabetes. Is, Yes, it's a genetic kind of, but mostly it's just poor lifestyle choices. Doesn't mm -hmm. sits a lot, doesn't exercise. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that would drive to the mailbox. I'm like, mm -hmm. dude, come on, man. Yeah, and uh, I was like, you should just try walking three times a day for ten minutes. It's not very much. It's not no. hard to do. I'm not telling him to go power the lift or anything. Yeah, and he's you know he's like, well, you're a jock. You 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 can do that. I was in the band. I'm like, what? The, did you march in the band? Like, yeah, it's the same thing. That. We're we're all the same machine in one way like yeah there's different models yeah. but we're all designed to do the same things in right. a sense yeah maybe not to the same levels but the same general things right. we that's why i love that. football so much it's got all these different body types and everybody has their own role mm -hmm. you know you got a you're a huge big guy and you're uh you're mean and you can block and if you don't block that running back doesn't do anything it doesn't right. matter it doesn't matter if he's an all-american if you got six people tackling him he's gonna get tackled yeah but if you got a you know good offensive line you know i don't know i just i love that team element mm -hmm. and all that and you know just everybody has a role and that's kind of like what you're saying with your body like you know everybody everybody has has a role or whatever you know like we're not, not going to run six minute miles or whatever right know? so you uh but so personally you you look more into that like what can the body do and how do you 
because it, it's contradictory to what you have to do for work. How do you right. balance that, or how do you compete with that? How, how does that work? Well, I try. If most, I've never had a patient that was like, I don't want to take medicine. What else can I do? If yeah. I had a patient like that, and I think, you know, basically, well, I'm finally starting to have patients my own age, but like I used to have patients like when I could do that probably more with someone my own age. Mm-hmm. People in the older generation, like um, I guess baby boomers, doctor tells you that, that's how it is. Right. It's yep. just, it's strange. Like, to not think for yourself. No. But. So how much, because uh, how much of in schooling do they educate on like the body's capabilities versus the practices of the medical field? Uh, if I had to put a percentage, I'd say less than 10%. Yeah. I mean, I think they're trying. Yeah. The, the cool thing about nursing, they always call it evidence-based practice. Okay. And so they're actually always trying to improve the nursing care. and they Yeah. Of, you know, instead of like a, a nurse looks at things way differently than a doctor. So like mm-hmm. not only if somebody's like intubated and on the bed, we're actually looking at their skin too, trying to make sure their skin doesn't break down and yeah. everything. Doctors are more focused on, you know, what's, what are we giving them? You know, obviously most of the medicines they do emergently or like ICU wise, they're trying to get them off. Like they're yeah. not going to take those medicines at home. Those are just like life sustaining medicines. Yeah. And you want to keep weaning them down constantly. You know, so, but that part's pretty cool. But um, yeah, I don't think, I don't feel like that they educate enough on yeah, it's, there's 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 kind of a move it, it seems to me that we're paying a little more attention to that. But I always like, I always backtrack when I think of these problems, and and oftentimes, and I'm far from any expert in any of this, but oftentimes there there is a viable route of like how the body works. Like I always, so we'll go back to blood pressure. So I'll kind of ask you the questions and let you respond from the medical, and we'll kind of walk yeah. where this goes. But like, so let's say someone has high blood pressure, like. Well, what do you, what what's what's the first thing you do with that? Uh, in my setting, they would probably put them on a low dose um, beta blocker. So mm-hmm. the beta blocker works by uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. It basically just it makes it so your heart doesn't have to work as hard. So it, like right. it, mess, it helps with the like the blood vessels, whatever whichever way you need it to go. If you need them to be constricting you know, from mm-hmm. to raise your blood pressure, and if you need them to like relax a little bit to lower your blood pressure. Right. And so, obviously, the reason they want you on the blood pressure medicine is because you can lead to strokes and that kind of thing. So yeah. You don't want to have that, you know, but... Um, so, you're doing that to lower the blood pressure, correct. right? Yep. So, do they take a look at, well, why is this... What, what, what is high blood pressure, you know? So, what, what is high blood pressure a symptom of? What do uh, they tell... What, what's from your education? Well, a lot, of it, a lot of it, so it can be because you're obese or some mm-hmm. of it is genetic. Like, I have a brother that's like... I have a lot of brothers, so I keep talking about different brothers. I have four brothers. But <laughs> one of them has hypertension, and he's like 170 pounds. Yeah. He's like the like perfect height and weight or whatever. He's like maybe a little heavy because those, those things are ridiculous height and weight stuff. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Probably like, he's, he's 5'9". He's probably 170 yeah. pounds. He's got like a 34 waist. Like, he's he, he golfs... You know, he, he's obsessed with golf, so he golfs like six times a week, and he's mm-hmm. like... It takes a lot of fitness to be able to walk 18 holes every day. Oh yeah. So he's in really good shape. Yeah. But, um, but he's he has high blood pressure, so he takes. I, I don't even know what he takes. I think he takes probably uh, some kind of metformin, not metformin, um, metoprolol or something. Okay. Does he? What does he display? Any other symptoms associated with high blood pressure, or does he just have that marker? He just has that marker. So and what? cholesterol as well. Okay. So yeah. what? Well, how do they determine the standards too for what is high blood pressure? You know, high compared to what? Right, so the the basic, so anything above like 140 over 90, they consider high blood pressure. And do they say why? They don't, I mean, they probably do. I, I, okay. But my whole thing is, I got, I'm, I'm, I average between like 140s over like 90s. And I'm yeah. like, I don't want to take blood pressure medicine. I'm yeah. trying to do other things. You feel good though, right? Yeah. So, here, so that's what I tell everyone. If I went into the doctor tomorrow, I bet I would have high blood pressure and high cholesterol. 
And I get confused, and, and I'm, this is me trying to still learn more about why we set these arbitrary numbers and what determines high. Because to me, it's like, like why well, I asked if your brother's feeling other symptoms. Was he feeling pretty good other than just having that number? Right, yeah. But the secret thing about that is, though, see, sometimes blood pressure is just like a silent killer. So you mm -hmm. can, I mean, you can have it not. I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not ignoring that that, that yeah. can happen. Yeah, but I agree with what you're um, saying. But, so, so going back to that, um, instead of like just right away, so he, he's healthy, um, he moves around, he's, he's a good looking weight and everything, he's not really experiencing any other bad symptoms. Mm -mm. They don't ever consider like just why not and like let's see if it will auto-regulate or the fact that blood pressure is not even going to be consistent throughout the day. If I go see right. you after a workout, it's going to be higher than if I was just woke up from bed. Right. Is the other thing. How much of that do they take in consideration when they do these I tests? I also believe I believe in white coat syndrome too. I have a little bit of that. I oh, go to the doctor. White coat syndrome. They call it. it's almost like you get a blood pressure and it's higher at the doctor's office than it would be at home. Right. Because you're nervous about yeah. the the test. Right. Or like I'm show. driving there and somebody cut me off and pissed me off and I'm like, damn, my pressure's higher. Yeah. Fuck, cut me off. Yeah. So they so they pretty much base it on just that number and that reading right there. They do. A lot, yeah. Yep. So that's that's where I start to have disagreements with that field no, of like. I, I agree with what um, you're saying. Where where that is and and it's. But I think they do it. They just wanted to, they want to get a baseline. Right. Like that's your baseline, and then it kind of you know the, like that takes. So on my like if I'm on a cardiac floor, step down floor, mm -hmm. do it every four hours. If someone's on a um, on a medicine to raise their blood pressure, you'll take it every 15 minutes. Also, there's like an arterial line they can give where it's taking it instantaneously. Your blood pressure is always showing. Yeah, that's when someone's really, really sick and their blood chronic pressure really, high blood yeah, pressure, like, but they're really low. A lot of times, you probably see other symptoms with that, right? Yeah, you probably see something else going wrong other right. than just that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I always like. Yeah, I, I don't said, like putting things in boxes. I don't like how that yeah, works. Yeah, like, I bet if you looked at this. a population of athletes, they'd yeah. have higher than normal because it's again, it's a different kind of machine. They're operating at a different thing. They need. Your, your body doesn't do anything for no reason, right? right. It's, it needs higher blood pressure because it needs to send more to an area or something like that for right. whatever reason. Being an athlete, you're always recovering from the small wear and tear, so you're probably going to chronically have a little more than that. Right. Being a heavy person, it's just because your body's not functioning as well and everything else is harder to do, so it requires more blood volume to right. an area to accomplish day-to-day -day stuff. And that's where it's like we're overlooking, like, well, the reasons why a little right. bit. So I want to go back to just a general example. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is a typical reason for high blood pressure that, that they diagnose reasons why? Or do they, um, do they, do they even diagnose reasons not why? Not really, but they'll sometimes say, well, you're, they always go back to their height and weight chart, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Too. I feel like they put a lot of boxes and stuff, and I, it could be because of the pharmaceutical industry where they want to. It makes it well. It makes things easy and streamlined too. Right. It's easy to get done because if you have a standard, it's the same in engineering. Yeah. However, and there we're dealing with more laws of physics that are absolutes. Where right. in the body, there's almost no absolute right. to anything. Well, it's um, like when people compete on stage, like they have to get everything just so over all these weeks, and they're not going to look like they look on stage every day. Right. Not even close. Right. So that's one thing, like. You have to give yourself a little leeway and stuff, especially with that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah so I don't know, but so they don't talk to people much about like their. How much do you ask about their lifestyle and stuff when it comes like that? So let's say I, someone comes in, they have high blood pressure, and it's clearly probably because they're really overweight, right? And that's probably the reason. How much of that do you talk about? Well, you know, it's probably because your weight's up and your heart's working a lot harder because of this and things like that. Yeah, so we'll tell them that. Like I said, a lot of times they don't, people don't want to hear it. I they know it's not. Yeah. I know that's not. You know. No, that's that's a huge part of the problem is people again not wanting because again, if it's easier, you shift the responsibility. If I can take something to do this for me, right. and I don't have to work for right. it, 
people will jump on that. Right. Just take a pill. Right. But then you're treating a symptom and you're not treating the cause of the symptom. And all that tends to do over time is overload that symptom because right. if your if your body's trying to give yourself high blood pressure for whatever reason it needs yeah. and you're blocking that it's just going to fight harder to make that happen right. and i don't know do you see a lot of times people over time the dose has to go up yep yeah for sure yeah yeah it makes sense and and, and they'll go on like a different type of blood pressure medicine mm-hmm. there's, there's there's a bunch of different kinds yeah yeah so that that is exactly what i mean what happens really i mean and same thing with uh, people that are non-compliant diabetics, like, oh, I'll just take more insulin. I, right. can, I can eat whatever I want to eat. I'll just, just take more insulin. Take I'm more. Like, like, yes and no. Like, they don't seem to understand, like, that's your endocrine system. Like, it's a very slippery, slippery It's going to affect everything else. Yeah. yeah, it's not just your insulin. It'll affect your testosterone levels. It'll affect everything. Your cortisol levels, all that stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, but pe- people don't, li- they don't, they don't think, yeah. I don't know. I think we're such a society that doesn't live, like, we just live in the moment or whatever without like thinking, thinking. Yeah, we, so. we don't take the time to look at the big picture as much. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not ever saying, because there's, trust me, the science, the way we've come, especially with medicine, a lot of that is really good. I think oh, yeah. we just over-rely on it and ignore the other. And again, sometimes you can't, like you said, someone's just not going to want to do it. Right. Make it as clear to them that this is what's going to happen in your life, then you're going to depend on this. And if they're okay with that, Fine. I'm not here to tell anyone how they should live. Right. I just give them the facts, and you choose for yourself. Right. Um, but well, I wanted I, to know how I, much of that, how much you do try and at least educate them on the big picture of it. I try to, but if I yeah. have if I have five patients and people are calling me, and unfortunately the squeaky wheel gets the grease. If you yeah. have someone calling you for, right. I need this, 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 and this, and you're like, okay. And that's not your fault either. That's right. the that's the system you're in. That's yeah. we're doing. Yeah, right. absolutely. But I, I love when I get patients that are like, I don't take medicine. I don't really want to take medicine. What else can I do? Yeah. And I'm like, well, for me, this works. And, you know, obviously losing weight helps. You know, obviously. I mean, you probably see good results with those people. Yeah. Well, yeah. another thing, that was another reason, another reason to try and exercise and lose weight is like, I'm on a CHF floor. If I look like the patient, like. They're not going to like, listen to you. You Like, what, yeah. what are you going to say to me? Yeah. Like, like, you look just like me. You know, it's like, you're going to go drink your 15 Diet Cokes and tell me not to. You know, so I, I mean, that's like, good that like you want to lead by example. Being, I think that's important because there's, I've met a lot of doctors where I'm like, you're not healthy. Why <laughs> should I listen to you? Right. And you may know a lot about whatever you're talking about right here, but right. if you can't practice it yourself, right, then well, yeah. it's like a trainer. If like if if you got a trainer who can't, you can't like I'm showing you how to do it, but I have no idea. Look at me, I've never touched a weight. Yeah. But you don't see that a whole lot. No. Yeah. But no, you do see some. You'll see. I love the. Uh, it's it's really. You'll see the old strength and conditioning coaches that are just so out of shape. Yeah. And they're like. You got the shorts pulled up to their. Yeah. I mean, it's like. I, I, as in high, as a high school, I never respected any of that. Yeah. Now, my strength and conditioning coach in high school, he was fit. I listened to him because I was like, oh, I could see what he could do. Obviously, right. he's doing something right. Right. But yeah, same principle right there. We're going to see. There's a coach. He was used to coach Cole Rainey. He's coached at Ohio State now. They said he's like. He's not the biggest guy, but he'll throw a 225 and do it like 15 times in front of these kids. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Because he's just nuts. Oh, yeah. But it's his mindset more than his, like, body or anything. But yeah. now he coached in the NFL. He's back coaching at Ohio State. I'm a big Ohio State football fan. Okay. Too, so. But, yeah, and, you know, it's just it's, it's a mindset, too. And you're like, well, I'll follow that guy. He's nuts. Yeah. So if you could do things more your way, not how you kind of have to, what, what would kind of be your approach with, like, things like oh, that? I would love to. Like, in a perfect world, I would. Like, I would love to be a practitioner who does massage, and then, like, we look over your medicines and say, well, what can we do? I think homeopathic medicine is maybe a little bit more like that, but even they probably have time constraints. Yeah. But, like, in a perfect world where you can be, like, you know, 
what are you eating? You know, like, let's follow your nutrition. Yeah. Like, if you're eating terrible all the time and, you know, and how much do you walk in a day and all that kind of stuff. Like, I've been trying, we ever since the quarantine, my dogs are freaking spoiled. We walk them at least <laughs> once a day, sometimes twice. Yeah. And, and like, I just, I put that on my, not my Fitbit, but my, uh, whatever, Apple Watch. Okay. Because I try and get my, get my walking in every day, too, because I, f- like, feel like the hour in the gym just, like, my body needs more if I want to get to where I want to be. Yeah, and that enhances your recovery from the yeah. other stuff, too. It's, yeah, it's, it is. Getting that blood moving. We are use it or lose it, and, yeah, the more we move, the better we actually function. It's all about, it's all about doing the minimal effectiveness without overdoing it, right. and that's how you become an optimal machine of a body yeah compared it to a car and like we think oh we just need to take this part out and replace it with a new one um but we don't really work that way can you elaborate a little more on what yeah so um i feel like people think oh i'm broke i'm just gonna go to the doctor get my tune up and come back in that's a lot of like the so chf is congestive heart failure what happens is you get fluid in your heart fluid in your lungs and you obviously you feel like shit you can't breathe you can't and your heart's working really hard and we have a lot of I call them frequent flyers or whatever. Every hospital calls them. Mm-hmm. People that just keep coming back. And now, yes, you're coming back because it's a condition and it is something that's wrong with them. But they can manage it a lot better. And they, you know, they they want they come in, they get their like it's kind of like a like a service station. You get your oil change or whatever. They get Lasix. Lasix is like a diuretic, and it you know makes them pee out their fluid and gets them down to a decent you know weight and we're and we're monitoring their intake and output the whole time they're there so if you're there for two weeks and you have two weeks of basically intaking the amount of fluid you should be intaking Mm -hmm. and you're peeing out and you you feel you know 50 times better and you're able to move around better because your heart's not working as hard basically yeah Uh, and that's the problem like they don't want to do that when they leave i mean obviously it sucks you know if you used to live in a certain way and you have to go oh shit i can't drink more than 1500 milliliters a day like that's nothing i mean really but you know, that's just, that's the way your heart works and everything, unfortunately. So, but that is like a life. Can that change, change though, over time? I'd like to think it could. Okay. I think your body will adapt. I would say I'd, I'd like to think it could. I do but, too. Yeah. But, but I don't think that, um, it's not going to change if you're like, you, you know, we treat you a certain way and then two weeks later you're back. You generally takes a couple weeks for them to get back to feeling like crap again. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, if again, they're not changing any of their habits right. that led them to that in the first place. Well, they don't see it, which is strange. And that's the thing. And they're like, well, why aren't you educating them? Like, well, we do. Like, yeah. Like, I think they really feel like we're just like jerks. And they're like, well, you can't have that. You no, know, and that's just the way it is. Right. But there are some people, I have some patients, I can't believe how much they can eat. And it's not, you know, they're obese, yeah, but like, in my prime, like where I could eat like <laughs> a pizza and a half, whatever, they'll smoke me. They'll I mean, they'll yeah. just eat whatever. And I'm like, do you really need like 75 graham crackers? Like, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing to yourself? Are you really like, are you hungry? Or is I think it's just like the, it's the satiety in the brain maybe, or it's maybe psychological. There's the psychological. A lot of times there's underlying issues and it's, it's it, food's a drug. There, yeah. So I'm, I'm a big proponent and everything's a substance and it's nothing is inherently good or bad. I it's how that. you use it and... You can abuse anything and you can use almost anything as a tool in some sense. Um, and food is a big one that we just overlook the abuse of it where, you know, if someone, you know, every day doing heroin, we're clearly like, that's that's a problem. You're right. overdoing it. Where, you know what, there's probably, well, morphine's basically the same thing, right? So there's applicable the way, yeah. doses right. that's effective for a good cause right. of the same substance. Right. Food, it's a fuel but it can easily be abused. But right. we kind of just ignore that whole area of it. We right. don't treat it like that. We just, right. oh, it's just whatever, you know. It's not as bad for you when it still causes a lot of problems. Right. Well, it's the same thing with the heroin addicts. Like, they come in and they, uh, they're they so used to, like, trying to manipulate you to get whatever they want. Even if it's, like, pop, they'll be like, can I get 
uh, two of those or whatever. It's like it's a, it's their 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 brain makeup is completely changed. Mm-hmm. They're not even like the same person. Right. It's, it's, it's they so become addicted strange. to something. And yeah. It just is. like like their brain is about what can I get today? What can I score? Yeah. <laughs> like they know we can't give them heroin, mm-hmm. and I'll even tell them like, look, there's nothing I can give you that's gonna like touch you. Right. Your your, your dopamine receptors in your brain are so screwed from your doing heroin. I mean, maybe they can get it back at some point. I don't know. Like, like I said, I'd like to think they could. Yeah, I think, I think, I think sometimes there's a point of too far gone, but it's hard to get there. And for the most part, you can always still improve. You may not be able to always get a hundred percent back to something, but I think there's always room to better in one way or the other. Right. But yeah, going back to talking about the people eating, it is. It becomes. It's typically like a sugar addiction because our brains run on glucose, so we we crave it because. We evolved to not have a lot of it, right. so it was like we got to get as much as we can right now and store it in case we need it for later. Same, same with all other calories and stuff. Um, well, I'll, I'll say this on along those lines. Yeah. I've noticed so when I was like 300 pounds, I, w- I would be out to eat and I would always be worried if I was going to have enough food. I remember like even in my head, like, like oh, I, like if I'm getting pancakes, can I get an extra pancake? Like you know what I mean? Like, like I'm not even thinking ahead. Like I don't even know like what. How do I even know if I'm going to be full? Why would I want another pancake before right. I even touch them? Yeah. And you get in that mindset, so I guess I can sort of understand. It is. It becomes that addiction of, oh, I need this for whatever reason. Right. And there's underlying issues are varying uh, very far, um, depending on the person. But um, anyway, I didn't mean to get you off topic. Oh, you're good. So we were talking about you come in, those people coming in to see fix. you and expecting a quick fix. Right. Yeah. Well, and honestly, so we this health system's amazing, and they actually have done that, like putting stents in your heart. Like, yeah. oh, I'll just go and do that. and. Basically, they've opened up another pathway, like put it in like another mm-hmm. side highway, so your blood can flow to your heart and everything works good. Yeah. You're back the way you were, and you're not showing the symptoms on the EKG anymore. That fascinates me too. It's not like when people look at an EKG and they just see squiggly lines. Yeah. I've gone from looking at squiggly lines to be like, okay, well, the, I mean, everybody in my in my profession does, but like you know, you look at the P waves, which is like the way the top of the heart contracts, and the QRS is the bottom of the heart. It's like a little line and comes up and down. Like, but if you're just looking at it, it looks like a squiggly line and. Um, I actually did a career day at my daughter's when she was in seventh grade, and I like taught him how to read an EKG kind of like quickly. There you go. And um, it's it's not just squiggly lines, and it's like so you'll see that like you'll see on there. Oh well, it says like and each, each has a little like picture, and you'll see like what part of the heart was damaged and mm-hmm. stuff. You can see it in like a full twelve lead EKG, which is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so we actually do. We'll go in like they'll do a cabbage, which is like a complete like they open up your chest and they basically um, they they they. They can kind of correct, you know, putting in stents and everything, like the bypass, that's what the cabbage is, yeah. coronary artery bypass graft, and they, um, they'll bypass areas where there's clogs, basically. You know, you get the clogs from your diet and everything, and mm-hmm. then some of it's genetic, too. Yeah. Like, some people are predisposed to certain things, like certain races or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. That just is what it is. It is, yeah. There's, there's genetic mutations, good or bad, and right. things can be. Um, when, you, when you do those quick fixes, though, do you feel like that's fixing the symptom or fixing the root cause of what is causing the symptom? It's just fixing the symptom. Just fixing yeah, the symptom. The root cause, sometimes genetic, sometimes it's smoking. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, my had a dad. My dad used to smoke two packs a day for like thirty years. It just amazes me. Like the like, I'm not dedicated to anything like that. I can't imagine yeah. being able to just keep lighting one after the other or whatever. I mean, I know it's addictive, but it's just amazing how the brain works and how you you know you just you, like in his mind he probably felt like he needed that. It wasn't even like a. At some point, it's not even like something you think about anymore. Right, it just becomes habit. It's part yeah. of your life now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, going back to like, if you could, if you could do it more, just you're in charge here. You've got the reins. 
how much more would you or how differently would you operate that? I know you said it's you'd want more time, right? Right. But like, ideally, how much time would would you like? To, how much time do you spend with a patient on average right now? So in a twelve-hour shift, I'll probably. It varies because so you know med pass vitals and everything, and you're really taking your time listening to someone. You can do all that. Some people take longer. I don't need to take a ton of time. I mean, I can do it all in like thirty minutes a patient or whatever. Okay. And then and then education can take it anywhere from five minutes to an hour. It depends on what they ask me. Yeah. I, I try and get them engaged, but the way I see it, most people they don't want that. Like you're saying, they they just want to watch uh, whatever game show they're watching or mm -hmm. like are they some patients want to talk on the phone all the time to people and like the whole time, which and I mean I get it. But they honestly do what you can, yeah. right? Well, and, and like I said, in their minds, they're just there to get fixed. Like they yeah. don't, like I'm, you know, fix me. I'm not, and that's. The and they don't want to hear like, well, you know, this is more of a band aid, right? We, you know, in order to really fix the issue, this is the changes we need to make. They right. don't. Well, they don't. Want don't yeah, like at all. They don't want is, the responsibility. Which is strange because it's like, like you said, it's easier to just take a pill. Yeah. Oh, I need to take this. Fine. I can spend thirty seconds to take a pill. Whether then have to change my whole mindset and my diet and everything else. Right. You know. So, but I don't know. I just I feel like in a perfect world, if you could get people that actually wanted to learn and understand why their system is doing what it's doing mm -hmm. and what they can do differently, like, I mean, they probably refer you. Everything's about experts nowadays, anyway. But they yeah. probably refer you to like a homeopathic doc or some. You know okay. what I mean? Or some. I mean, they would. I don't yeah. know. There's just there's so many. I mean, I. I I've uh, somebody I went to massage school with. She is like a homeopathic doctor now, but I, I don't really, I haven't really talked to her. But I think that'd be pretty fascinating. Just to, you know, to, she was a teacher when she started massage school. So oh yeah, but so she's you know she's vegan and all that. So it's, there's yeah. a whole like whole other area. Vegan just don't don't get me started. Like it takes too much thought. <laughs> like when I still remember in massage school, we were getting beers, and she was like, "What a." Uh, which like which beer used more fossil fuels to get? I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, see, I that gives me a headache just thinking about that. I don't understand that one. Look, do it, whatever you do, and especially there's are some people that their body will operate way better on a more plant based, like genetically, because that's For what sure. their ancestors evolved to do. But I I haven't met any other argument than that. That's a good reason just to only focus on that for me, and it goes both ways to not eat plants either. Right. Yeah. That's that's a weird one to me. People are very pushy on there. Well, it's saving life and animal. We go, well, that, you know, that smell when you cut your grass, that's a pheromone to the grass to warn the other grass that some shit's about to go down. It's very aware of what's going on. It just doesn't vocalize it to you. It just doesn't scream like a cow yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, plants will change their flavor profile when they hear a nearby plant getting eaten because they don't want to get eaten. Again, they're conscious of something. Trees will send nutrients to each other when one is down and dying. Like, the whole, like, Drake and I talked about like the, there's just, there's no life without life, right. and and learning to respect that is probably the best way to go and and give honor to all the food you're eating. I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but when you talked about the vegan thing, it gets me a little fired up. Oh, yeah. um, no worries. But just to see it that way and like again like you know respect everything that you put that banana right there. That's life. I'm using that to continue my life, right. and therefore I respect what that is giving me. Yeah, you didn't just throw it away. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we that kind of ties in a little bit to uh, the healthcare and the medical field that we, we lose that, we, we disassociate ourselves with everything else like that. Like you said, we just take care of it for me instead of, well, what am I going to be doing? What, what changes can I make to make this happen and things that I can do? Well, one of the funny things, when I used to work in the ER, people would come in with abdominal pain, but they are eating McDonald's. And it's like, how much abdominal pain are you having if you're eating? Like, if you have abdominal pain, you shouldn't be able to eat. Right. Like, you should be like, oh, man, my belly hurts. I don't want to eat. That's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. But 
And it's just, it's, it's hard to be aware. Like, yeah. you, I wouldn't have learned this stuff if I wasn't obsessed and really looked into it. Like, it's, it's, it's not the mainstream. Like, we, again, we, we're, we're trying to control a lot of the things that we really don't, can control externally at least, instead of looking at it internally and how we, how we really can control it. Well, it's like surgery. I'm always trying to tell people, like, you should just, you know, wait, you know, just hold on as long yeah. as you can. Yeah, there's times where it's absolutely the only thing that's gonna help, right. but there's a lot of times where I've got two labrum tears and I was told I was supposed to get cut on, I never did and I don't have any pain. I, for a while I couldn't throw baseball really well without pain and that's even gone away. And it's just like, you know, if, and if I went to get an MRI, it probably wouldn't look great. They'd probably be like, oh, well, we're concerned about this, but it's like, if I'm not in pain, and you got full I can do everything I can yeah. do. Why? Like right. and now, I my body adjusted. Now it's a different machine. Right. It it replaced the part itself and found a new, better way to work. Well, and one of the things I learned in massage school that I thought was pretty cool. They always said tissue has memory. All tissue yeah. has memory. And so, like, from any kind of trauma, whether it's like sports related or whatever, like mm -hmm. your tissue always remembers. Yeah. And so, like, you try and like I was listening to your podcast on the energy work, trying to get that kind of to release, keep the flow going through your body. Yeah. And then, well, that's really what massage does. It just kind of puts the helps with the putting the passive flow back to your heart and everything. Yeah, and there's, it's manual manipulation of the techniques to get your body to make that change. Yeah. And I mean, even like, even surgeries, like a reattachment surgery, sure, you manually put that there, but then your body has to scar down and heal up and, and regenerate itself still. Right. But and we, we so much just ignore that fact that, that that's what's happening. And that's right. like, it's an amazing thing that we, I think we take for granted or don't even realize we have. Oh, human body's ridiculous. I've been reading a bunch of stuff about like Navy SEAL stuff just because yeah. I'm so obsessed with how like their training and everything. If I had to do over again, I, would, I don't know if I would have been a Navy SEAL because I can't swim that great. But I would have tried <laughs> something like with the military, I think. Yeah. People, it's funny, people when they see me now, they're always like, were you in the military? And I'm like, no. But you kind of carry yourself that way. That's though. what they say. They say the way yeah. I walk and stuff. Right? Yeah. It's, just, it's probably from sports, maybe. I don't know. But. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of drilled into you of like, you know, attentive and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I never did. I just, uh, I would I would have, I don't know, the way I was in my 20s, I think I would have actually embraced it, but they would have, uh, they would have had to break me down a lot. Yeah. So. That's all right. Yeah. Um, how much, so how much overlap do you see from the things you learned in massage school to what you do now? Is there any or? Uh, it's not a ton, but. It, so there's things I know and I don't know, I always forget how I know them. Like it's funny, like a okay. doctor will be talking about like Raynaud's, which is like a circulatory thing. It'll be like, like tips of your fingers are like super cold. I don't have that, but I just okay. know it's like, and I didn't learn that in nursing school. I learned it in massage school, but yeah. I like, I'll have like a different knowledge base. And so the cool thing they used to do when I was in the ER as a tech, they used to let me do things I wouldn't let any other tech do. Like I would help them actually like reset like hips when they were out mm. and stuff. And um, they, uh, they, it, it, because I understood the body doing massage, so yeah. like, like the nurse practitioner and all that, like they would let me help them reset bones. Absolutely. Stuff. Well, the PA actually. Yeah. Back then, but yeah, it was pretty cool. PA is a physician's assistant. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I got you. Is there anything like in your training wise here that you see that overlaps in like in your work? You mean, or, or, yeah, oh. yeah, in your work or in any other part of your life or anything like um, that? Yeah. Uh, so. I, I actually I take a I, not every night but like sometimes when I don't feel like I've got enough exercise in a day I'll take like a 10 minute break yeah and I'll, I'll run steps at work okay because I'm kind of just like obsessive can you stop that for a second yeah so you do running stairs at work you said yeah so I, Drake and I were talking about that with the quarantine and stuff I was like I couldn't get to the stepper so I started running stairs out of the park across the street here yeah and I was like man that's like 
better better for me than when I was trying to run two or three miles a day. Yeah. Like 10 minutes or 20 minutes on a stepper, running steps, get your heart rate up. In the beginning, I couldn't run. I had to work my way into it. Yeah. In the beginning, I would do like two steps at a time, just kind of almost like I'm lunging. Mm-hmm. And now I can run them. Like, and I'll do like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It's funny seeing people that are 20 years younger than me can't keep up with me doing steps at work. I mean, it's because I've worked my way up, but yeah. still, still, like, they're like, man, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just work my way up, you know? Your body's amazing. It'll oh, adapt. it is. So, yeah. But yeah, so I do that at work. I don't do it all the time. Like, some, like, so one of the hospitals I go to has better steps than the other one. I have like a little bit longer, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, between steps going up and it's stuff. It's that flat space. Yeah. I don't talk about Give me, give me a little recovery space. time. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty nice. But, but yeah, so, and, you know, and I had to come up with all kinds of stuff when I couldn't go to the gym. So mm-hmm. I was like, I bought like a ball and a bunch of kettlebells and I bought a, uh, like an exercise ball. And then I started having my son do stuff like that with me. And his body changed like that. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Because he's little, you know. And I, oh, I don't, those I'm kids. Trying, I get so jealous when I see like, especially like high school kids going through puberty still oh, and yeah. stuff. It's like just oh, they're on steroids basically because yeah. their hormones are just through the roof. Yeah. So he'll turn 13 in June next year. I really want to, I'm going to probably have uh, Drake train him, you know. Yeah. That's awesome. He's got a good work ethic. He's a good kid. Yeah. But yeah. So with with your knowledge and experience from massage and from, you know, your passion for fitness here in your own journey, um, what are some things like in the, in the healthcare industry that you would recommend we move toward or change or is there anything that's, that's uh, used the way you see things? Well, I heard one of your podcasts the other day when I talked about vitamin D from the sun. Like, yeah. I, people get that seasonal affective disorder. I get it. I hate winter yeah. because of that. Yeah. Especially around here. It's, just, it's all dark. Like, I mean, you got to get the sun. Um, I'd, I'd love to see more education towards like, you don't, I mean, you know, you're 80 years old, you don't want to go to the gym, whatever, but like just walk in or just mm-hmm. get some kind of a regimen that you're doing every day that like, you're walking or even just like, like body weight stuff's amazing. Yeah. There's so much stuff you could do like squats and that's, that's, that uh, quarantine actually helped with all that kind of stuff. Cause I didn't try to figure out what I can do. I was doing like ball squats against the wall and stuff at home. And, yeah. You know, I can't, you couldn't go to the gym. So it kind of opened up a different way of doing stuff. So like, I, like every once in a while, I'll just work out in my basement if I can't, if I don't have time to get here mm-hmm. or whatever, but I would like to incorporate a lot more of that kind of stuff, and it's amazing what water does for people. Like if yes. you could, like even just teaching them that, like stop drinking pop altogether. Like I, I didn't think I could do it, but I did it, and I've had like one pop in six, like since February. Yeah, and was and I and I didn't even like it. That's awesome. Yeah, so like I drink a couple, like a gallon, at least a gallon. I probably drink almost two gallons a day now. Yeah, because your body just kind of adapts. Right, and it filters through it. And you're very active, so you need more because you're going to sweat it out too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm active at work too because you're like, oh yeah, you're always twelve hours on your feet. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I get I get antsy if I sit too long. I could never do a desk job. Mm-hmm. So I found like a niche, you know, that I want to do. So I always say like it, my being a float nurse is like perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Because I I get bored and I can't I just don't want to stay in the same place. Yeah, I don't want to deal with the uh, drama of like a working at the same place at all. Even so, I like like you know I love going to different hospitals and everything. Yeah. So, so um, you said your goal is to get your master's, and then what exactly do you have an idea for what kind of like practice you want to do or anything? Um, nurse or? practitioner. I don't know if I would do ER or if I would do probably like my actual goal. I want to be a hospitalist. So hospitalists are they're doctors, but they're like the house doc kind of. And so okay. hospitalists would be, they do the same thing as a doctor. They prescribe, but they basically have the doctor like co-sign their stuff. Mm-hmm. And like they'll lead a lot of them, like at least at one of the hospitals I work at, they'll lead the code, like in a code, like they'll intubate the patient. They'll help tell you what meds to pass and everything. Yeah. You know, look at the rhythm. And we all kind of, it's kind of, a, it's, that part's pretty cool. It's like a team effort. We all see, you've been through a couple codes, you kind of know what meds to push and everything anyway. And it's all yeah. like a time, time thing. Like you want to wait two minutes and press again and somebody will be doing compressions and, but like the house doc would be the one that 
basically nurse practitioner, which would be like they would be basically doing the same role as a physician. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like they do like they work seven tens in a row and then they're off for a week. I like I'd rather just okay. kill my work and then get my play. Like yeah. that's how, just my mindset. Yeah. And so uh, I I would love to do that and and that's my long term goal. I want to become a hospitalist. Like, okay. And work like either in the ER or they don't really work. Some of them work in the ER, but I I want to work like for the whole hospital. So like yeah. I would go up on the floor, listen to a patient's lung, admit the patient, and you know, and then kind of put in orders. And then what they do, the nurses will communicate with that person through like text. And then like, if it's a bad idea, say no. If it's a good idea, say yes. You know, like I'm, my personality is I'll ask them for something. A lot of times the patient will ask for something and I'll just, so I'm not lying to my patient, I'll ask for them. And I know they're not gonna say yes. Cause it's like, you know, we've swung probably the pendulum the other way with pain meds. Like it used to be, you know, probably gave them too much and then now we kind of we swung the other way so we're not we're almost like with withholding it trying not to get people addicted to pain meds mm -hmm. anymore which is good mm -hmm. but some people need them you know yeah. so you have to like i have to plead my case like this patient is in a lot of pain outward signs their blood pressure showing it so if i really want a patient to get pain medicine i know how to ask for it properly yeah. which is you know it's a game too but like like I'll, I like someone who has kidney stones. That's a lot of pain. Or someone yeah. who has pancreatic cancer. Like that's a lot of pain. I'll bet I'll go to bat for them all day. Yeah. And it sounds bad. I and mean, you can be judgy or whatever. But it's someone who's like a heroin addict, I'm not gonna necessarily fight super hard to give them a bunch of pain meds. Right. I know it sounds bad, but it's it's you know the nature of it. You know. Yeah. Now when you do when you do prescribe it, do you come up with a plan for how long to use and how to get off and how to do that? How does that work? And I don't think they do that enough, honestly. No. But like sometimes they'll give them some, so like a one one script refill, like a fill of like you know, um, no, like no, um, I can't remember that. Like just like a pill form of pain medicine, like mm -hmm. the uh, I'm trying to remember like Norco or something. Like okay. It's a pill form of like a like it's actually that's a lower grade of pain medicine. So yeah, you try and give them like the minimum that they minimum can do. But even like dose. Tylenol works for some people. Tylenol works better for headaches than like morphine does. Yeah. So I always try and give people Tylenol for that. And Tylenol used to be a protocol order, and sometimes it's not, and that's frustrating as a nurse because you're like, okay, well I gotta ask for Tylenol. Like it's not a drug. Yeah. I mean it's a drug, but it's not a narcotic. Yeah. And so it's like I, I don't like uh, that's what I mean how it's swung too far. Like everyone should be able to get Tylenol. Right. It's not it's not addictive. It's not at least I don't know anybody who's addicted to Tylenol. Yeah. If it was like people aren't trying to sell you Tylenol on the street. Right. So how much though do you before prescribing, do you try and find other ways of managing pain? Um well so like in the hospital they they you know, they'll try ice packs or like mm -hmm. heat packs first, you know, sometimes but a lot of times, these people with chronic pain, like you know, they're like, "Well, that's not going to help." It's like, okay, well, usually they'll 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 give you like Tylenol or ibuprofen first, mm -hmm. and they know it's not going to, you know, they're going to ask for more, but at least just to try. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think they spend enough time with that. I get you. So no, I'm I'm not trying to like shoot holes in any, you know, I'm just trying to learn and understand a little bit and figure oh, yeah. it out because I I've I've been pretty removed from the. Like I said, I don't go to the doctor in a while, and I'm I'm probably a little far on the other end of anti all that right. i'm going to be the guy challenging everything oh, yeah. um, but that's where i feel like i need to be right now and i, li I like to see again how much we can do without all that because i've been very surprised at how much i've seen people do without all that oh yeah um not that that doesn't ever have its place but um so if you become like the house doctor does that give you any more power or influence to like help set practices or what kind of level do you have to I get think to doctors to, will be able to do that a little bit more yeah. but even there everybody's so the whole medical system is they're all on protocols kind of which yeah that's what i figured 
Yeah, like there's not a whole lot of like leeway. Where does know? the decision making get done? I think it goes up even higher. I think it, there's like administratively, like whoever's in charge of like the like basically like the government agents in charge of healthcare yeah. set the standards. And yeah, so like like at a, at a firehouse, they they'll have their own. Uh, like basically emergency room physician and he sets the protocols for what they're able to do okay and so like i think it's just a it's a bigger version of that in a hospital okay so yeah like you're not you can't really like do too much outside the box although so you you kind of have to follow the rule set as it is yeah. a little bit there's not although, much room for personally with nursing and it, i don't even know if i'm like i don't think it's illegal or anything but like i've actually given people pain meds and it hasn't helped so i've done some massage on people <laughs> yeah and then they were like, you know, and they're like, oh, my, what helped right? them way more than that? They were like, oh, you got to give me your card. I'm like, I yeah. can't, like, I can't, like, uh, I can't ethically do this, but I'm doing it because I've tried everything else and I know you're in a lot of pain. Yeah. Like, I've been able to help people with massage. You have to be careful with what falls in your scope. Right. Because I know. Or what yeah. my role is at that time in the hospital. Yeah. And so. that's, that's probably more of a legal thing than anything. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, another problem is this, all the litigation with stuff of, yeah. instead more, of just paying someone to trust to let them figure out it's like well if you did this wrong i'm gonna sue right. you and do exactly. this and it's, yeah. it's well that's a, the great thing about massage though it's soft tissue like you're generally not going to do anything to hurt anybody yeah and so you don't do any of that anymore uh i kept a couple people that when i had my own practice i like a couple married yeah. couples they're in their 70s i work on okay and then when i'm done working them i might not do it anymore i don't know yeah so you i miss that at all uh i like I, I feel like i get enough just doing that i so yeah. for me massage i loved it but i I couldn't stand relying on other people for my income. Gotcha. And then having kids and stuff, it was like, if I didn't have kids, it would have been fine. Yeah. Because you can live within your means no matter what your means are. Right. Like, you know. But other people are depending on you. It yeah. Helps to Especially have a like more of that. private school and stuff. Yeah. All of trust so. me. I, well, I say I understand I don't have kids, but I, you know, I see that where you're coming from with that. Like, you, you got to do what you got to do in a well, sense. Well, I want to give them a good life. I want to make yeah. sure they get to do cool stuff. And But you've done a good job of balancing that and still enjoying what you do. Oh, You're yeah. not miserable in your job and hating. Because I think a lot of times people will do that and suck it up just for the kids. Right. And it's like... But if your kid sees that you're miserable, right. what kind of influence do you think that that's going to be on them? Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a good balance that you found. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we wrap up? Anything? I think I'm good. Yeah. Said, said a lot. Yeah, said a lot. Yeah. No, we had a good talk, and I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me here. Oh, it was awesome. As always, maybe we'll do another one down the road when we'll talk about some more stuff, but I appreciate your time. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Gave us a lot of good info. Um, I always ask anyone, I don't know if they, you care or not, I always say you can tell people where to find you at if you're interested. I don't know if you have social media or anything. You're, no, I mean, anything I just, you want to plug, go ahead. I don't plug. I don't have anything to plug. Okay. I work for other people, so I'm, I'm not trying to sell anything to anybody. Um, I gotcha. But, I, you know, I, I, my Instagram is weird because I'm really into my old car. I have a 57 Mercury. Oh, okay. So, like, if people look at my Instagram, they're like, they probably, what do you think I was a human? They were like, you know, like, that's just a some car guy, whatever. So. <laughs> I, I, I like I don't have my kids on that one. Like Facebook, yeah, but like not that. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Well, fair enough. We'll, we'll keep you off the grid then. Um, <laughs> for everyone listening, you know where to find me. Adaptive Training Principles on Instagram and Facebook, and still operating out of uh, Paramount Fitness here. If you want to get in for some training. All right, Rick. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, it. You enjoy the rest cool. of your weekend.